It's amazing to me that, I mean, with other serial killers and other just, like, really bad people, how, like, you know, due to overcrowding or, you know, this, like, loophole, they just get out of prison. And Mm -hmm. it's, like, you'd think that, like, the worst of the worst, you'd be, like, no, you're going to stay. We'll let this, you know, drug dealer out instead because they're more likely to not murder somebody on the outside. You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Med Staff with your hosts, Jamie Zerlingo and Nina Granger. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nina. Today, we are going to talk about a documentary, not just documentary, a docu-series. So fun fact, the very first episode of Atlas Now Streaming was also a docu-series. We reviewed Confessions from a Killer, the uh, Ted Bundy tapes, which was very similar to this show that we're going to talk about as far as, I guess, just uh, conception and how it was put together. Um, We are reviewing today The Confession Killer, which is available on Netflix. It was released on December 6th, so it's been out for a little over a month. There are five episodes. Each is about an hour long, so you could definitely finish this in a day if you have a day off or over the weekend. Um, I'd say it's a pretty easy watch um, directed by Robert Kenner, who was behind Food Inc. And um, Taki Oldham, I guess, Oldham? Mm-hmm. I'm so bad with these last names. Um, so the confession killer tells the story of um, Henry Lee Lucas, who at the time was one of the most prolific serial killers. He claimed to have murdered over 600 people. And you learn in this documentary that that might not be the case. So, Nina, you're also a uh, 90s baby. Were you aware of this at all? Nope. I had no idea. Never heard of him before. Me either. Um, it, a lot of this was happening in the 80s. He was arrested in 1983, so that was before my time, obviously. But yeah. he died in 2001. Yeah. Which I was pretty young then, too. I probably mm-hmm. just, if I even saw it on the news, I probably just didn't care because I didn't know who it was. <laughs> but I don't remember there being a lot of talk about it in the 90s, even. And that's funny because I feel like the 90s was like his peak of fame when he Mm -hmm. was in prison. And um, obviously, well, I wouldn't say spoilers because, I mean, this is all, you can just look this information up. Um, But we're going to talk about these five episodes and what we learned. Again, I had no idea who Lucas was before watching this documentary. I think I had, I I consider myself a big fan of like true crime, serial killers, but I didn't really know much about Henry Lee Lucas or anything at all. And this docuseries is a little bit different than Making a Murderer where there is actually not any new information that Mm -hmm. they reveal during this docuseries. They just talk about what they already know and kind of present the facts in a way that you feel like you're kind of learning as the show goes on Mm -hmm. but it is all stuff that you can find on the internet about henry lee lucas and everything that he did or did not do Mm -hmm. um but it's not like making a murderer with stephen avery how they uncovered more information while they made that series right they do leave it kind of open at the end um to so again he claimed to have murdered over 600 people there's like about 200 ish cases that were pinned to him over the course of all of his confessions um spoiler alert 20 of them were proven false so over the course of time um through dna testing 20 of those claims have been proven to be uh committed by somebody else um and like nina said he's already dead so it doesn't really matter um but there are hundreds of other cases uh families who at one time believed that Lucas was responsible for their family or friend, family member or their friend's death, now are back in the dark. And so the directors of this documentary took a couple years to make, which is understandable. They had a lot of people they had to reach out to, a lot of tapes they had to go through. Um, 
what the directors really wanted with this documentary was to try to help reopen some of these cases, which you can kind of see in the documentary, the law enforcement does not want to do this. A lot from embarrassment, I mean, you know, to be proven you did very sloppy police work um, is probably does not put you in a good light. Um, also, there's just a lot of work that opens uh, that comes with opening cold cases um, with violent homicide. But we will get into that. Let's kind of just start from the beginning. So uh, Lucas was born in uh, 1936 in Virginia. He grew up in a really crappy home. So his father was a uh, drunk and his mother was a prostitute. And um, he alleged that he was physically abused, or that might also be fact. Um, but we learned that he is a uh, compulsive liar, so who knows what is true. But he did say um, his mom uh, forced him to watch her with clients, so that could not have been good for a young child. And so he murdered her in 1960, and he spent 15 years in prison for killing his mother. So out of all of the alleged uh, crimes and murders that he committed, this is one of the ones that was 100% true. So after he was in prison in 1983, he was questioned for the deaths of two women, Becky Powell, who was his teenage girlfriend, and Kate Rich, his 82-year-old landlord. So uh, he, I think he had like a warrant out for like violating his parole, and um, he brought the law enforcement to the bodies and so, uh, again, these are two of the other allegations that are, like, 100% true. The evidence is there. It's clear. He knew. Nobody had to lead him to these bodies. He knew where they were. He knew what happened. And so when he was being arraigned for Kate Rich, his uh, landlord's murder, he said, what are we going to do about these other 100 women I killed? And it all took off from there. So uh, from there, he, again, his, the number that he has claimed of uh, people he has killed has fluctuated. First he said 100, then he said 150, more than 300, and at one point he said 600. And he says that he killed them in every way except poison, which if you know anything about serial killers, serial killers always have an MO. They always have a type. They have a method. Their way of murder is generally 100% the same every single time so right off the bat how he you know he said strangulation stabbing shooting uh i think even they said with a pen like i mean there's no way he could have killed all of these people in all these different ways that's just not typical of serial killer and he'd seen some psychologists and um even they said just his his personality didn't fit the type of a serial killer. And it was known that he had a very limited IQ. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they like got that information. Or something. Yeah, they must have just had him take a, an IQ test maybe when he was in prison, but it was lower than the average person. Mm-hmm. So even to commit all these murders and get away with them for as long as he supposedly did without leaving any evidence is like highly unlikely. Mm-hmm very surprising that he like confessed to all of those really i mean i think that the police were like super stoked thinking wow we found this guy who killed all these people mm-hmm. but really when you think about it for more than a second it seems pretty obvious that he could have not done some of the ones that he claims to have done exactly and this is also the time i think ted bundy either had just been caught or was they were kind of on his trails. Again, like I said, like DNA testing wasn't really a thing at the time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, now anymore, somebody claimed, hey, I killed this person. Well, you know, DNA says otherwise. Like there was hair or there was blood or there was, you know, other DNA, handprints, footprints, things like that that would immediately, you know, debunk his theory. And what is so fascinating is, you know, these, these police officers, these investigators just went off of his word. Right. I mean, that's so sloppy to just, oh, well, he said he did it. So there you mm-hmm. go. Case closed. Like that, that's not how things work anymore. And it's honestly not how they should have worked. Uh, journalists were suspicious of Luke's claims in the beginning. They noted that for some of these killings, it would be impossible for him to be in that place at that time. So let's say, you know, there was a murder in in Jacksonville, Florida. He was 
you know, there's signatures of him being in jail elsewhere. Like there's no way that he could have been there at the same time or thousands of miles away within only a few hours. There's no, there is no way. And nobody was really looking into this. Nobody was really fact checking or the, they just didn't care. So uh, regardless of the facts, the law enforcement, they uh, were really excited about the claims, primarily the Texas Rangers. They were using the claims to solve dozens of unsolved cases without much or any evidence at all. Lucas was able to pick up on details of murders based on what law enforcement told him, which over the course of watching this documentary leads you to believe that he was just fed information about the murders and then he just kind of made it up as he went along, admitting to things that he didn't do or really know anything about. Um, In this documentary, we talked to, or they talked to um, some of the victim's family members who had said when, when Henry came forward and said, hey, I'm responsible for this murder, just certain things he said. There was one that said she was wearing this uh, this necklace, this watch necklace. And uh, they. the only way he would have known that is, you know, the family said, hey, she, may, she had this necklace. They later found she wasn't even wearing it. It was in her jewelry box. So if he claims that she was wearing it, that's impossible because she wasn't. And the only reason he would have known about it was from what law enforcement told him. So again, over the course of these episodes, you start to distrust law enforcement thinking, you know, they kind of, they would, how they would question him. Like, did you stab her from the front or from the behind? Did you like, they left it up to more like yes or no answers as opposed to how did you do it? What did you do? Where was this? And they also claimed that, uh, or he claimed that they took him to locations, like he didn't tell them where to go. So it's all really, really fishy from the beginning. Jim Boutwell, he's a big character in all of this. Uh, He was a former Texas Ranger and the Williamson County Sheriff at the time. So I didn't know this, but sheriffs are elected. So uh, it was very important to him that he was, you know, kept up his image. He was kind of a hero in town. And he, um, it was very important that he, was able to, you know, close all of these cases. He used Lucas's claims to his advantage. He'd been investigating a string of murders he thought were committed by a serial killer when Lucas came onto his radar, so he took advantage of that. He and Bob Prince organized a task force to help investigations across the country close their own murder cases. And what's unfortunate about all of this is Batwell died in 93, so he was never able to be questioned on any of this. He obviously wasn't in the documentary except for old footage. Um... So it's unfortunate we'll never really get to know the truth. But there's a lot of speculation on what happened. So during all of this, while uh, Lucas is still in prison and he was coming forward with all these claims, one person in particular, um, Clemmie Schroeder, who is the prison minister, she and him became very close and she kind of helped him you know, find God and wanted to cleanse his soul of all of these quote, sins. So you could say that she is the reason, part of the reason that, you know, there is even a Henry Lee, a famous Henry Lee Lucas. She kind of helped him feel the need to cleanse himself of all these sins that he didn't really have. But he was also just wanting to please. And one of the, the former rangers said that he just, all he wanted to do was please law enforcement. He would tell them what they wanted to hear. He would be who they wanted him to be. And he was treated like royalty when he was in prison. They allowed him to walk freely among the prison. He gave him all the cigarettes and hamburgers and strawberry milkshakes he wanted. He even had access codes to some parts of the building. And this, I, I read this, probably was said somewhere in the documentary, but I might have missed it. In 1985, Lucas told the Dallas Times-Herald that he lied to show law enforcement doesn't do its job, which is interesting. He was eventually convicted of 11 murders, like officially convicted, and he was sentenced to death for the 1979 murder of an unidentified woman who was only known as Orange Socks at the time because she was found completely nude but orange socks on her feet. Then-Governor George W. Bush commuted his death sentence in 1998 due to lack of evidence, and Lucas had later, that was when he started like recanting all of his statements, like, I didn't actually kill any of these people. I lied. I'm making it all up as I go. And he spent the rest of his life in prison, and he ended up dying in 2001 due to a heart attack. So he was on death row, but he was never actually executed, and he died with his secrets. Did he really commit these murders or not? It leans towards not. Again, like I said, 
there's only like three possible murders that he probably very likely committed. The rest of them, it's just, it's honestly just bullshit. Yeah. And again, like like I said, DNA testing for homicides is basically non-existent. People just had to take his word for it. They wanted to believe it so badly. Families of the deceased wanted closure, but to later find out that they were all lies only made things worse. And at the very end of the documentary in the last episode, Orange Sox's killer is still at large, as are many of these murderers. You know, I mean, hundreds of murderers are out there or, you know, they could possibly be dead by this point. But, you know, we're never solved. We're never caught. There was even uh, a guy who um, I forget his name, but he was like the son of like a police chief. And he I mean, it was like on the nose, like he committed this murder, killed someone in a gas station, I think. And then was let off because Lucas said, oh, no, I did it. No evidence. Just went off of his word. So this guy just literally just walked away from, got away with murder because Lucas said he did it. Which is just, that's so baffling to me that they just would accept what he said. Because, and you kind of, again, come to the conclusion by the end of all of this that they just wanted to clear up these cases. They just mm-hmm. wanted them closed. They just wanted to, you know, get them off their desk, essentially. I mean, and I don't know, like, do you get something out of that by closing? I mean, do you, like, get paid more? Like, what what was their benefit? I don't think that they necessarily got paid more, but they were seen as heroes. And they got to put families at ease, feeling like they had closed that case, basically, which I think that there is a lot of motivation from the law enforcement side and from um, Henry Lucas's side. I had read that he supposedly was like mistreated when he first went to prison. Um, he was super badly mistreated, beaten, um, tortured, et cetera, which who knows if that's actually true, but that is what he says. So if you're thinking from his perspective that, okay, he starts giving the police what they want then things start to turn around for him, that he's mm-hmm. given everything that he wants, he has special treatment, people come to talk to him, he's being talked to all day long by all these different people, making people essentially happy because he is confessing to these murders that he probably didn't do, but they don't want to believe that. They just want to believe that, okay, we've got this guy here that is ready to confess to all of these things, and cool, that's another checkbox on my to-do list. Yeah kind of thing so it's sad especially considering that clearly he was like not all the way there yeah um there was a part during the I think first episode where they had done a brain scan of him and he'd claimed that he'd been abused as a child and they talk about how on his brain scan it just had like obvious um like areas of his brain that had been like dramatically impacted and how that essentially like lowered his IQ or made it so that he could not advance um, as he aged. And so basically because of what happened to him as a child, that impacted him for the rest of his life. And isn't it true that with serial killers, most of the time they have had some sort of traumatic brain injury? I think so. Injury and then also like abuse, which that was something that I wanted to talk about too, is that He'd had a history of, like, physical sexual abuse as a child. Um, And then I had read also that he had a history of, like, being accused. I don't know if it was ever proven, but several of his girlfriends had, before he confessed to the murders and whatnot, several of his girlfriends had accused him of sexual abuse or physical abuse. Mm -hmm. So clearly he had kind of that common theme, Mm -hmm. um, which is surprising that... Another thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was that when he was in prison for killing his mother, he was released 10 years later due to overcrowding the prison, which is crazy. He tried to say that it was self-defense because they were arguing and she had lunged at him or something, and then Mm -hmm. he stabbed her to death. But he still went to prison anyway. They had denied his claim that it was self-defense. He was supposed to serve, I think it was like... I don't think it was a life sentence at that time, but it was like a like he was going to be there, in there for life. It was like 60 years or something. But he got out after 10 years, and then you just let this dude go back out. <laughs> into society. Into society. <laughs> like, he worked normal jobs. He had 
supposedly normal relationships with people. He traveled. He did all these things when he was a murderer, mm-hmm. proven um, and admitted to. So it's interesting that he was released from prison due to overcrowding and then sure enough supposedly kills other people like there's clearly a theme there it's amazing to me that i mean i'm with other serial killers and other just like really bad people how like you know due to overcrowding or you know this like loophole they just get out of prison and Mm -hmm. it's like you'd think that like the worst of the worst you'd be like no you're gonna stay we'll let this you know drug dealer out instead because they're more likely to not murder somebody on the outside it's that's just it's crazy to me a couple of other things about this documentary that i found really interesting was uh, the district attorney so there's a whole episode about vic is it feasel i think so uh so he uh kind of tried to bring in a stop to this task force with uh lucas because he believed that law enforcement wasn't doing their job he believed that he was being fed information to confess to crimes he didn't commit and because of this he started getting harassed he started getting death threats people calling him saying that there was a bullet with his name on it and eventually um, a lawsuit came about that um he was taking bribes for these criminal cases and he was eventually found not guilty but it completely changed his life. I mean, he was thinking about going into politics, running for like Congress. I mean, he had all these plans. Like he had, he got a divorce. I mean, all of this happened because of this court case and because of, and then, you know, law enforcement, the Rangers said, oh, this had nothing to do with the Lucas case. This was just its own thing, which is like bullshit. Like who would bring, who would, you know, just dig up this dirt on this guy, which ended up being not true mm-hmm. just for fun. Like, it was obviously connected, you know, trying to silence him, which he was not silenced. And later he represented Lucas when this was the part that I found most wild about this entire documentary is it like, I think it's a third or fourth episode. I think it's the third that ends on a cliffhanger of this woman saying that she was Becky Powell. Like oh, I, yeah. it was crazy to believe that, you know, to hear that I was dead and then it just ends and goes to credits. And I'm like, holy shit, what? Got to watch the next episode. So you find out that this woman comes forward saying that she's Becky Powell. Becky Powell was never murdered, supposedly. So um, Fiesel is representing Lucas. He puts his full faith in him because he, you know, believed in him that he didn't commit these murders before. And so he believes that, you know, hey, Becky Powell, this is her. They did a lie detector test without, you know, a shred of doubt that this was the real Becky Powell. Later to find out after doing some more investigative work, she was a fake. She was not the real Becky Powell. She was just a huge, huge fan of Lucas. They became pen pals while he was in prison, and they wrote letters back and forth. And in a weird, very creative way, led people, you know, like secretly, he was giving her information like, hey, you know, this is who Becky was. I want you to pretend to be Becky. And so Fiesel, of course, is is devastated by this information. He went on, you know, he went on the news he came forward saying i 100 believe him this is the real becky i mean they did interviews they just to find out that she's a fake i mean how frustrating and he you know dropped him wasn't representing him anymore and um when they talk about when lucas died it was a very small funeral and he refused to go he's like why would i go to this person who lied to me and made me believe them and put my faith in them put my job on the line mm-hmm just to be lied to. And there was even like his his last like lawyer legal representation. She even said, well, he said this, but who knows what he says is true, right? Like it was a joke and they're all laughing about it. And he even Lucas said like, yeah, you know, I'm a liar. Like I'm a compulsive liar. That's what I do. And so it's, it's you know, who do you believe? What do you believe? But I don't really know what he thought he was going to get out of that situation anyway, because what he went to prison for I mean he did go to prison saying that I murdered Becky Powell but what he was facing a life sentence or the death penalty for was not for her murder so I don't know what he thought by bringing this woman into this situation was going to like get him out of jail I don't know it's so weird because I kind of felt bad for him at certain points like he, he was obviously very mentally disturbed and was being taken advantage of he's not a good person like i won't say he was a good person who was being wrongfully accused like he mm-hmm. he murdered people he was a bad guy 
But what they did to him, and I mean, they played some of these tapes, the, uh, the sheriff talking to him, like, was so manipulative, and it was so sad. Was and sad. there was even a, a, a scene where he's, you know, they were filming him while he was in prison. You know, he's, he's crying. Like, I, I didn't do these things. And it's just, it's, it's frustrating, just the complete lack of, of true police, like honest police work, Mm -hmm. how they just wanted to clear these up. And I read an interview with, with the directors, how they said, you know, who's to say really, I mean, I'm sure some of the law enforcement truly believed what they were doing was right and that they were actually you know, solving these cases, not realizing that it was all bullshit. I'm sure some of them knew what they were doing, but I'm sure some of them too, just, they wanted so badly to believe it because, you know, they have this person saying, hey, I did it. You know, Mm -hmm. what would you do? It's, it's definitely frustrating. And especially not knowing anything about this case until I watched this documentary, Mm -hmm. I left very angry. (laughs) And, you know, I felt horribly for all of these these families that still you know don't have justice for what happened these and some of them had even said you know one of them it was her I think it was her sister that had gotten murdered um Lucas originally said he did it and then even the family was like absolutely not there's no way he could have done it he doesn't he doesn't know what he's talking about they took her to the house and she obviously becomes very overwhelmed there was handprints blood, hair, tons of DNA to find out who actually did this. And the police work was so sloppy, they, you know, either lost it or they just didn't get it. So there's, she, they're never going to know what happened. Mm-hmm. And in the last episode, you, you do get to hear about some of these stories where you find out the true killers. So some of these families do get closure. But again, there's hundreds of families that don't and probably never will. That's really sad, too, because like for the situation with the sister um the parents were like pushing the pushing on the police saying like no we don't think this guy did it we think that he that he couldn't have possibly done all these murders basically before Hugh Ainsworth who is the journalist that discredited him by doing the research on his like all of his claims and then the time and the mm. distance between all of the murders and how it was just like literally impossible that Lucas could have done all of them um before he came along this family was like no we don't think he did it like you need to look at all these things that he's claiming and they're like no no trust us it's fine he did it he said he did it so why basically they just ignored them which was super sad and then you come to find out that like you know he probably didn't do it and they still Mm -hmm. don't think that he did it and Mm -hmm. it's they just have no closure plus that i'm sure makes it hard to continue like to open these cases reopen the cases or to continue doing any investigative work when everything's kind of tainted now Mm -hmm. it's just and it's hard and some one of the one of the victim's family members said you know it doesn't matter if it's five years 10 years 30 years we want to know no matter how long it takes like that closure is so important and thankfully i've never had a family member murdered or murdered at all let alone in a way like this I can only imagine what that would feel like to think, oh, we finally figured it out. And then, nope, that guy was just lying. <laughs> That's so frustrating. And then to fight, the police just don't care. It's, it's just, it's very frustrating. We will talk more about this documentary, some of the themes, and kind of just the way this was put together. But first, let's talk about what else we are watching. All right, Nina, what else are you watching right now? I'm watching The Man in the High Castle. Yes. It is on Amazon Prime, and it so far has been excellent. Um, My husband and I are watching it together. We're about halfway through season two. Mm. I believe there's five seasons, and it just ended in 2019. So they just had the last series finale episode, I think, in September, this past September. So we're playing catch up, but so far it's been excellent. It's about... Um, essentially if Germany, if the Nazis in Japan had won World War II and how that affected America. So America is split into 
like the East Coast is Germany, Nazi run. And then kind of the mountains, like the Rocky Mountains area portion of the United States is a neutral zone. And then the West portion of the United States is like run by Japan. Wow. And it's just, it's a crazy, basically the entire world, like um, Germany also has Africa, um, like essentially the entire world is just split up between like the Germans and the Japanese. So it's, yeah, it's a really weird, um, I would not say that it is, I would like to believe that it could not have actually happened, but they do put it in the perspective of like, this could have happened if Yikes. we had lost World War II. Super creepy. And Hitler's still alive in the show. And No way. Yeah, what, is this like present he's day? He's old. No. Um, it's, I think it's in the 60s, 70s. Ugh. Something. So Hitler's like old dude. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. It's a really good show. I can't wait to talk about it, hopefully, in the future on this podcast. Because Maybe. it's um, just a... I don't really even know what to say about it. It's just kind of mind-blowing. I don't really want to, like, give anything away yet. Yeah. But um, if you have Amazon Prime, it, it is a good show to tune into. It's very heavy, heavy material, list. though. Oof. We've had a lot of heavy stuff lately. Mm-hmm. We, should, <laughs> we should have something fun. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't really fun. I mean, it, it's black comedy, I would say. I just finished season two of uh, Good Girls or The Good Girls. Oh, I started – I watched the first episode of season two last it's, week such a good show it has retta from parks and rec christina Hendricks from uh mad men mm-hmm. and may whitman from she's in parenthood. parenthood yeah parenthood I love parenthood so i actually thought about rewatching it recently that show was amazing mm-hmm. it's just oh tugs at your heart um and she was also in arrested development mm-hmm. and um She's been in a ton of stuff. She's great. Love her. Um, if you're unfamiliar with that show, it is available on Netflix. But uh, where is it normally broadcast? Because it's not a Netflix show. Um, I think it's. Uh, I know it's on a like, cable somewhere. Because season NBC. three, it's NBC. NBC. Oh well, there you go. It is uh, season three is premiering in February, I believe. So if this sounds like, oh, well, I guess I didn't tell you what the show is about. Uh, it's about these three women. Two of them are sisters, and um. One of them is just very, very close friends with the sisters. They all are kind of down on their luck in the first season. Um, Christina's character, Beth, her husband, she finds out he's been cheating on her with his assistant. Oh, and it's Matthew Lillard. Oh, my God. I, I love. love him. And he's kind of like a, like a sad sap in this, in this show. So it's kind of a fun like change of character for him. I love him so much. Yeah. He's done some great stuff. Uh, yeah, he's cheating on her. They have four kids. She's a stay-at-home mom. Um, Retta's character, she has two kids. One of her, her daughter has, um, I don't know what it is, but she has some health issues. Um, she that are, had to have a transplant. Yeah, and so she obviously has, you know, medical bills, and her husband's a cop. She works just, like, part, like, at some, like, restaurant, or I forget mm-hmm. where she it's works. like a cafe. Yeah, um, not a very high-paying job. And then, um, is it Annie? Is that her name? I think so. May Whitman's character. She is a single mom. She had a uh, daughter who, over the course of the show, uh, comes out as trans. So she has a son. Um, she ha- she and her, I don't think they ever got married, but boyfriend in high school had a kid together. She works at like a grocery store and the manager is a creep and uh so none of them make any money and so they kind of just come up with this plan we're gonna rob the grocery store and they find out that the grocery store is actually a front for a gang so um they decide to they kind of just get wrapped up in this gang and season two is i won't give away any spoilers but it's kind of a continuance of them working with the gang and it's pretty awesome it's just fun to see these characters in these these you know these women kind of taking control of their lives albeit by breaking the law but um it's it's a good show i really like it um i think i'll watch season three oh, I think while it's on didn't matthew lillard the husband like gambled away their money i think or he did something with their money i think so yeah he runs like a car dealership oh yeah yeah and his dealership was not doing well yeah and he didn't want to tell her so yeah. they're all like in a financial crisis situation mm-hmm. yep 
that they all i mean you when they're robbing this grocery store you're like hell yeah <laughs> like <laughs> go they, on ladies yes they need that money take control not for selfish reasons but to support their families yeah they all have kids they all gotta you know take care of them <laughs> so it's kind of a it is kind of a fun little like crime not crime show but just like you're kind of rooting for these criminals. You kind of are. You are. <laughs> and um, if anyone watches this show, the the bad guy, the gangbanger, is very attractive. Yes. And <laughs> yes. I've seen a lot of posts about him on Facebook um, of just like these very thirsty moms. <laughs> like, oh my God, he's so hot. Like, I don't know what I would do. It's, it's funny. But he, but he really is. Uh, it's a good show. Yeah, give it a watch. First two seasons are on Netflix. Um, big fan of that. Um, again, watching Parks and Rec, I you know also... what I've never actually seen Parks and Rec. <gasps> I've seen like you know uh, an episode here and there, but not the continuance of the storyline. So I started watching that. You I did? Think I, well, I've watched like literally three episodes. So I'll tell you, and I'm sure everyone will tell you this: the first season is really bad. Really, it's not good. Oh, it's it's just. <sighs> It's kind of like the first season of The Office. They're both just rough. And then they really, really, you know, find their footing mm-hmm. as the seasons go on. office-like humor where it's like It's the same creators. Yes, uncomfortable situations, which I have a little bit of a hard time with. I loved The Office, but there are definitely some of those cringeworthy moments that I just mm-hmm. I had a hard time getting through. And already I can see that, like, Leslie Nope is just like, like, I'm just like, oh, my God. She, so, funny story <laughs> about her. So, they wrote her as kind of like, they intended her to be, like, like a drunk, like a loose woman. Oh. And she was kind of ditzy. And I think Amy Poehler was like, no, we are going to, we want to root for her. We don't want her to just be this dumb government mm-hmm. woman. And so, over the course of the, of the show, she becomes way more, uh, she's very I hate to say it, but she's fierce. You know, she yeah. she gets shit done. Like, she works really hard. She loves her friends. Like, she loves public service. And as the show goes on, like, it's so heartfelt and fun. It's it's a good one. She's definitely a relatable character, too, because she's so committed to her cause and to her job. And it's, like, what she lives and breathes, even though it's, you're like, oh, my God, let it go. You and know? she's getting constantly shit on by yes. the people of, of but Pawnee. S- but somehow she's still just, like, super positive. Like, mm-hmm. doesn't lose sight of her, like, of her focus, of her goals. And, like, man, I just feel bad for her because she, <laughs> you just want her to be successful because she's trying so hard. Oh, yeah, and it's for it's always for good. Like, she's yes. trying to build a park, you know, what's, what's bad about that. Right. Um, but love that show, getting through the last season right now. She's so funny. I really want to talk about, real quick, the um, Oscar nominations. Oh, yeah. So those were released uh, on Monday, about a week ago. Um, there's there's some upsets. And I think it's kind of interesting. Um, so we have already reviewed one of the nominated films, Marriage Story. Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson were both nominated for lead actor and actress and Laura Dern my girl got nominated for supporting actress I hope she gets it because I think it is totally deserved she won the Golden Globe which is awesome um 19 let's see what films 1917 Little Women versus Ferrari The Irishman Joker Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Mm mm-hmm so there are some really good films up there, but there was a huge upset with uh, Greta Gerwig, who was not nominated for Best Director for Little Women, and there were a lot of people upset about that. I've also seen a lot of people are upset about, I don't know, it's kind of either way. Like, I didn't see Joker. Did you see Joker? I did. What did you think of it? I thought it was a good story. It was hard to watch. It was one of those things where, like, I mean... <laughs> I can't think of anything that I can compare it to, but basically it's this guy that just gets shit on for two hours of a movie and you just like feel so bad for him. They just do this really excellent buildup of like making you feel so bad for him that you in the end understand like the person that he becomes and why he gets to be that way. And it's really sad, but it builds a good backstory to all the things that we see the Joker do and in other movies and in the comics and in the shows that like knowing these things about him and about his life um you you can kind of see how it kind of drove him to madness so uh i've seen a lot of people complaining about all i mean it got nominated for best picture director actor um and some of the more creative uh awards 
and I've seen some people that are upset about it. It's the worst reviewed film of all of them. It, it was more polarizing, I think. Uh, and I think, too, there was just a lot of opinions. I've, I haven't seen it, so I really can't really speak on it very much. But I've just seen people complaining about how it de- maybe how it depicts mental illness or I don't really know but I've just from what I've read people are not happy well, <laughs> about it being nominated say that about mental illness that it affects people in different ways and this is just one way I think that people have criticized the movie a lot because it is just something that they're not used to seeing on film and something that they don't want to see hmm. you know like it, it there's a lot of really uncomfortable scenes there's a lot of stuff that you're just like no please don't like don't do that but mm-hmm. like the the moral of the story is basically that like somebody who was bullied and abused and um just like has had a rough life and how how it affected him and it's realistic when you think about serial killers and their their backstories and a lot of those times they're like relating back to what we were talking yeah. about today about the confession killer that these people just have really they just have a really hard time in life and they get abused that's a common um thing that happens to people that eventually become serial killers and so it's the same way in the joker movie and it is hard to watch and it is really sad oh my gosh when we went to see it funny story this dude we saw it like right after it came out and we went to like a like a six o'clock or seven o'clock movie and it was one of the ones where you eat like a dining mm, movie love those yes and this dude came to see it the movie by himself <laughs> ate like a gigantic meal he was just sitting next to me and my husband in the row he ate this huge meal and then slept and snored in the entire movie <laughs> and i'm like what oh, how no. it was just maybe don't maybe don't have a giant meal if it's oh, gonna put you no. right to sleep but he was snoring so loud it was hysterical oh but man it's a really dark movie for sure I'm excited to see. I love watching award shows when it comes to like television and movies. Um, once again, this year there's no host, and I kind of liked that last year. No host. It, it went by a lot faster, and that's one of the big complaints about these award shows is they're too long. Um, Who votes though? The Academy. It is not based on viewer, viewer votes. votes at all, which kind of sucks. That's why I'm actually not a huge award show person because. Really? I always end up disappointed <laughs> because I, I, well, first of all, I never see all of the films or that are nominated, mm-hmm. so I feel like I have unfair opinions. And then second of all, I feel like anything that I'm rooting for doesn't win. <laughs> and then I'm like, no. And then I feel bad for the people there that think they're going to win and they don't. And mm-hmm. then the camera pans to them and they're just like disappointed. It's yeah. just like, oh. Did you watch, okay, so, and what's interesting is like you hardly ever remember what movie even won. So, like, last year we reviewed Green Book, which won. And, like, I don't know. It was an okay movie. I don't think there's ever in my recent memory been a movie that won that I was like, yes, that deserved that a win. That deserved it. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. The last movie that I remember being, well, I didn't watch it at the time. But like, Titanic. Like, I mean, of course Titanic was going to win that year. It was probably, probably the best movie that came out that year. I don't know. It was 97. I was five. But, or was I six when the award show was actually, it doesn't matter. Um, but did you watch the year of the big, like, they announced the wrong movie? Nope. <gasps> it was amazing. If Oh, my God. I, think I the have, last time I watched the Oscars <laughs> was probably, like, I think I was a sophomore in high school, probably. Oh, I watch every year, and I just, I love, that was so amazing because it's, you know, it's at the very, very end. They're announcing the best picture. It's what everyone's waiting for, and it's um, Faye Dunaway and, oh, my God, can't think of his name. They're the ones announcing it. They give, were given the wrong card. Oh, no. And you can tell that they're confused and they don't <laughs> know what to do, but Faye Dunaway is just like, it's La La Land. And they oh. all get up on stage and everyone's, you know, got their speeches out. And then you see all of this like, like bustling behind them. And one of the guys <laughs> just like super pissed off is just like, we didn't win, by the way. And it's just like, what? Like, Who did what win? What happened? Moonlight. What? The, the one about the, the gay boy. I'm sorry, that is probably a horrible, horrible description of what the movie really is. But it was a, a gay black man in his life and growing up, and I'm, I haven't seen it. I want to see it, but I haven't. But, yeah, that's the one that won. I 
don't even know if I know about that movie. I'm trying to think of who's in it. It took me a long time There's to see La La Land. I saw it like way after it came out, which I thought it was. Oh, I liked the cast. Um, I didn't love the movie. It was okay. You know, it was fine. The thing is, is again, I love all movies. I try not to be a snob about like, oh, like I only watch the most prestigious films. Like <laughs> I, I will watch a dumb, terrible, low budget, low brow movie. Yeah. If it makes me laugh, I like it. I mean, my favorite film, as you will come to find, is Wayne's World. There's nothing. <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? There's nothing like fantastical about it. It's just a silly SNL skit turned into a movie. But there, I don't know. I just, I love when people actually deserve the win. Mm-hmm. Like like Leonardo DiCaprio when he won for The Revenant. I don't know if that was really the film he should have won for. No, I agree with but that. But it was so, but like, it was great. He too. had a standing ovation. Yeah. Like it was amazing. And he made a speech and he brought up global warming and how it was so hard for them to film that movie because they needed snow and they couldn't find any wow and it was just amazing that he you know and i know there's a lot of like oh don't bring up politics in your awards speech whatever i thought it was cool that he brought that up regardless i'm excited to see what happens this year at the oscars they are february 9th on abc i think mm-hmm. but uh yeah maybe i'll have to watch it this year maybe i have actually seen a lot of the movies that are being nominated so yeah it was a it was a really good year for movies i think mm-hmm. like a lot of like, sometimes I look at the list and I'm like, what? I've never even heard of this. But I've heard of pretty much every single movie. And I'm excited. I'm excited for, last thing I'll bring up about the Oscars is uh, Parasite, the South Korean film. Was, I think it's the first film for South Korea that's ever been nominated, like, ever. That's cool. Yeah. And it's nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. I've heard it's amazing. That's another one I wanted to see. The only ones I have not seen... Well, I know a lot about Ford versus Ferrari, but I have not seen it. My husband really wanted to see it. He also watched The Irishman, but I decided it was too long for me to watch it the day that he wanted to watch it. <laughs> um, Jojo Rabbit. I have not heard of that one. That one, I think that one's also about like like during World War Two. I mm. think my my avoidance category is um, <laughs> like violent movies. Mm. I will watch them. I'm not a huge fan. Like, what's that one? What was that one that came out a couple of years ago when there was like literally no dialogue in it? It was a war film. I think it was nominated for Best Picture. I think I know what you're talking about. I was thinking about the one with Andrew Garfield, but that's not the same one. There's a lot of, there's so many war films. There I get are, them all mixed up. There are, but I, I think I know what you're talking don't about. Don't love seeing people die. No, me either. Movies, so. Well, we'll have to give you guys an update after. Can't wait to see who wins. Yeah, uh, yeah. After the the Oscars, but uh, that is what else we're watching. All right, we are back to our review of the Confession Killer. So again, coming from somebody who didn't really know anything about this this case, I learned a lot. And it was super fascinating. I really liked all of the old footage they were able to dig up and really kind of without really, and everyone they interviewed too, without really like throwing it in your face, this is what we think, you kind of come to your own conclusion. And for me, my conclusion was they took advantage of a mentally ill person to, you know, close up these cases, make themselves look good. There will probably be some of those rangers that would swear on their dying day that nope we genuinely believed he did it and maybe they maybe they do believe that but I definitely think that that a sheriff was using him and unfortunately we will never get to talk to him about it because he's dead but I think it brings up a bigger point of again you know at the time in the 80s DNA wasn't really used in these kind of cases thankfully we've advanced we are able to, I mean, there aren't really serial killers anymore because it's so much easier to catch them. Like, it's so much easier to leave behind evidence that can be traced to, I mean, you know, one of the people that they found that was actually a murderer, I mean, they swabbed his mouth when he went to prison for something else. And then they found the DNA and they matched it with him. I mean, there's this database of of criminals that it's so much easier to find people. 
I mean, they could go decades without ever being found and then to be found because of a cotton swab is, is incredible. We've come so far, but I think it also brings up, you know, this idea of, you know, trusting law enforcement. I know that that is a very touchy subject these days for good reason. And it's, it, it, it's very much seemed, especially in Texas, the Texas Rangers, that if you questioned them, you were blacklisted. I mean, like I said, the, the district attorney, he was threatened. He was, you know, his whole life was turned upside down because he dared to go against law enforcement. And I think it, you know, all, all I'll say is without, you know, getting too political here is we put these people in a position so that they will do the most good and they will make the right decisions. And I don't think they did here. And I think that a lesson is definitely learned from this case, a big one. And I hope that somehow, I I think it's virtually impossible for them to solve all of these other cases. But I think some of they need some of them need to be reopened. I mean, these people need closure. They need to know the truth. And yeah, you're going to look bad, but you're doing the right thing. Well, I think we put so much trust in law, in law enforcement to do the right thing because we have no other choice. Nobody mm-hmm. else is going to go out there and solve these crimes and do all the things that need to be done. So really, we have no choice but to trust them and hope that they're the people that they say they are when they take the oath to be part of law enforcement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just... Yeah, and especially like with a sheriff, I mean, you were elected into that position. And you, you could say the thing, same thing about politicians. We put them in power to do the most good for everybody, to represent us, to, you know, make life better for all, not just some. And I, it's the same with law enforcement. We expect them to protect us, and we expect them to do the right thing. Well, and you think about sometimes it, they don't. Yeah, and when you think about it from the perspective of having job security, Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they're going to try and close as many cases as they possibly can because if they don't, then that could potentially mean that they won't have a job next year or whenever mm-hmm. their term is over. And then I don't know what you would, what do you do after that? Yeah. So I can see how that's a motivating factor for a lot of those um, people in law enforcement to get these jobs done and get cases closed, even if it's not necessarily completely closed yeah. by all standards. Absolutely. It, I just, I really liked, I just, I like true crime and I don't think that they glamorized the story at all. I think they were straightforward, got to the truth. They talked to countless journalists, rangers, um, you know, victims, family members, witnesses, and obviously, you know, Henry Lee Lucas wasn't able to speak for himself aside from past videos, but I mean, to see so much of him, and just him putting himself on out there to give us our opinion on, on what is true and what is not. It, he's a very, very fascinating person. And I think that this was definitely worth going into. Like Nina said in the beginning, we don't really learn anything that you didn't already know or couldn't find out for yourself. This is definitely just a video version of something you could read on Wikipedia. <laughs> but... Um, it's, uh, it was, it was very interesting. I will say that, and this will kind of go into my review. I felt like it was really long. Like it was, it could have been compacted more. It could have just been a documentary. I don't think it needed to be a docu-series personally. Mm -hmm. Like the thing with the Ted Bundy tapes, like Ted Bundy, I mean, there were, he was such a complex person and there was so much to what he did because he actually did commit these crimes and he went to jail or went to prison twice and escaped and he had all these alter egos. I mean, you can you can break up Ted Bundy's life into ten, eight episodes or however long it was. With this one, I, I don't think it need. I think a you know, two and a half hour long documentary is all you needed. Mm-hmm. I think they stretched it out a little bit too much. I agree with that. I think it could have maybe, I think at most been three episodes so like yeah. three hours yeah it could have just been a long documentary yep absolutely well let's get into our official review of the confession killer i'm gonna give this one a 3.5 out of 5 like i said it felt a little long it definitely was told in a very easy to follow way i don't think that 
it, I think at times maybe it skimped out on some of the details of him in the beginning, but I don't really think that's what we came to the documentary to learn. I think we just wanted to know more about this compulsive liar and how he came to fame um, or infamy, I guess. Um, yeah, it was just a little too long for me. Um, but coming from somebody who knew nothing about him, I feel like I, I feel like I know him not on a personal level, but I feel like I, <laughs> I, I know this case a lot better now and it made me really angry and sad for these families. So it did, it did its job. It, it, it made me feel, it made me compassionate for these families. And I hope that, you know, maybe some other, other cases will be open because of it. So that's my rating. I think I would give it a three out of five. I'm not a big murderino. I just the watching the murder documentaries and reading and listening to that Banthamon podcast just makes me very paranoid of people <laughs> and the situations in general, which I like don't need any extra paranoia while I'm out walking on the streets. Oh, yeah. Like after watching the Ted Bundy tapes, I was just like super freaked out because he he got so many women like to think that he and even he had like a longtime girlfriend and mm-hmm. what a like what a psycho I just don't even know but know. like I don't think that any of the women that Ted Bundy like ended up murdering did anything really wrong like there wasn't a huge like red flag stranger danger situation yeah especially for that time when that wasn't a huge um, serial killers didn't really yeah they weren't really a thing exactly so people didn't really have that on their radar anyway so for ted bundy specifically like i that like really freaked me out because that could have i mean it could have happened to anybody and it mm-hmm. did happen to all these people mm-hmm. all these random people um with this though it was kind of it was intriguing to me because not because i'm not even really convinced other than they said that they had accused him or confirmed that he had killed like 22 people or something? It was 11 20? confirmed. Oh, 11 confirmed. Or convicted, I guess. Okay. Um, I don't really think that he did any of them, honestly, other than killing his mother, because I just don't think that he was smart enough to get away with these murders, which is sad to say. I would say the same thing about Stephen Avery, too, with making a murderer. That's kind of my opinion on him, is that they claim that he did all of these things to cover up this murder, when, when I, I just don't think that that guy had the... Just didn't have it in him to do something to like that. To do all, all of the things that they say that he had to have done to cover that up, I just don't think he could have done it, no. honestly. and Wasn't smart enough. No, which is sad to say, but like I think that, like, and then that's proven that serial killers are, usually have a really high IQ, like Ted right. Bundy. Yeah. Super smart dude. But They're chameleons. Um, They're able to, you know, mm-hmm. become who they, which I guess he kind of did. He kind of became who he needed to be for certain people, but right. he wasn't savvy enough to actually like cover up his own tracks. If he murdered, if he murdered 600 people, there's no way he would have gotten away with like the first 10. You exactly. Know? Like, I just don't really think uh, that's my opinion, but it was interesting to me to watch something about somebody that was so willing to say that they had d- committed all these crimes. Um, and it just kind of, gave me a interesting perspective to mull over of what motivated Henry Lee Lucas to lie. Um, I think that a lot of things motivated him to lie, including the popularity of Ted Bundy, which is something that I could talk about forever, that like why do people become obsessed with serial killers to the point of where they're like, they want to be romantically involved. Like Ted Bundy oh, had so many women writing to him in prison saying that they wanted to marry him and he did marry somebody when he was mm-hmm. in prison and I'm just like, He had a baby. What? He fathered a child while he was so, in prison for murder. Who? I just... It's very disturbed it people. Is, yes, it is disturbing. And so I think that that popularity motivated Henry Lee Lucas. I think that... I think he just wanted to be liked. He wanted he to did. be loved. He And when you think about his past, it makes sense that he had all these issues, that he was abused, that he, you know, supposedly killed his girlfriend, but he goes back to say that, like, why would I kill her? I loved her. I wanted to marry her. I, it's just, it was a, a very, like, emotionally confusing <laughs> documentary. Um, I definitely felt for him, kind of like with the Joker, like I talked about a little bit earlier, that some things that factors that affect people's lives 
you can kind of understand how they get to be the way that they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess back to my rating, yes, I would just say it was a three out of five, mostly because it's not my... my not your cup of tea. It's not my cup of tea <laughs> to listen to all these sad families talk about their deceased loved ones, but it was still very interesting to kind of watch him go back and forth on his confessions and lies and and then now he's dead and we'll never know yep well hey guys that was the confession killer again it is available on netflix if you want to give it a watch um if you have any suggestions on other docuseries we should watch or documentaries let us know i think nina said in a past episode she's she's not really a big documentary fan but is willing to watch some so if you have any suggestions something we might like preferably maybe not true crime i think we've been a little heavy for a little bit so next week uh friday the 24th is my birthday so next week's episode is going to be some of my favorite movies i'm super excited they're fun and uh well one of them's not so fun but (laughs) still a good movie so i'm excited (laughs) to talk about them um and again any other shows movies anything that you guys are watching that you think that we should give a watch let us know but uh, until then keep on streaming we'll see you next time Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if we should give it a review. Until next time, keep streaming.